Alrighty, how you doing, John? Welcome back to the Rodcast. It's uh, nice to have you on board again. Yeah, happy to be here. It's 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 been a hot minute. A lot of uh, hockey's been played in the J. Uh, lots been played in the NHL. Uh, big 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 news on both sides since uh, we last yeah, had a go at been, this. That's for sure. There's been a lot of hockey going on. It's been great to see. All uh, right, so why don't we start? Um, why don't we start talking about uh, the SMJHL playoffs? Because we've got some uh, some questions still trickling in from uh, Carolina and Montreal. And we'll probably k- pick up a few more of those in the next few minutes here. Sounds so, good. It's, it's with a heavy heart I'm I'm talking about the playoffs at this point, but <laughs> we'll get right uh, into it. It's been a roller coaster of emotion. So Great Falls, after a uh, I mean I, a, a solid regular season, really. Um, let's see here. You guys finished eighth overall. And uh, third in uh, third in the Atlantic after uh, right after Carolina here, um, and I mean Great Falls. I mean at the risk of sounding shady, I don't know what's been happening, but they handled the expansion. Well, maybe not the expansion, the initial expansion draft. Um, that I think was fairly neck and neck, but Great Falls seems to have um, built off of that much more successfully. We've, uh, honestly, this is our second year in from the expansion draft sort of thing. Great club. Uh, people could argue we overperformed the, the first year, but, you know, following up with a good regular season performance the second season, too. Uh, I, th- I think we're here to stay. I don't think we're going to be uh, moving down anytime soon in the regular season. But we did have a heartbreak of a battle against the Nevada battle born in the first round. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, we, we were expecting a bit more of a close battle. They're they're a great club, but uh, just to get that four zero sweep to us was uh, definitely a bit of a hit to our ego, and we're raring to come back harder than ever next season. Oh, absolutely. I think. Um, I mean, talking about the playoffs, Carolina, we finally managed to snap uh, something of a curse that we've been under in all three seasons uh, that I've been, or I guess it's been four seasons now. In every season that I've been with Carolina, we've made the playoffs and then lost to Quebec in the second round. Or I can't remember if that was the case the first season, but at least three seasons in a row. We play really well through the regular season, get that bye through the first round. In the second round, we face Quebec City. Last year, they swept us. Uh, the year before that, we lost in, I think, six or seven. And the year before that, we lost, I think, in five or six. So it, it's been it's been maddening. To go through that three years in a row, and finally, um, we got that second round. We played uh, played Kelowna, swept them in four games, and that was just, I mean, it was super satisfying for the team to get that big win. Uh, and then for, personally, Roddy, he's always really struggled to perform in the playoffs, and he's currently leading the team through the postseason in points, and I think as well as hits and shot blocks. And it's just, it's great to see him actually performing. Uh in that in that uh, postseason format, oh, absolutely. And you guys just uh, beat up Kelowna for nothing right after uh, Kelowna ended up beating St. Louis for nothing too. That's uh, mm-hmm. that's no strong task. <laughs> no that's small uh, task. That's, that's, that's for old, sure. Uh, the old uh, was the Edmonton and Winnipeg in the playoffs last season. Oh yep, yep. That was that was hilarious to me. Though I can say personally, as a uh, and and I've 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 talked about this a little bit before. I remember coming into my the entry draft in uh, season fifty for season fifty eight when I joined the the J, um, 
and I remember the GM of Kelowna, I don't even remember who it was at the time, if it's still the same person, they reached out to me a little bit, and one of their scouting questions was, have you ever heard of Kelowna? And uh, you know, being, you know, more or less from Kamloops, I'm sure you can attest to, uh, I told them that Kelowna's a uh, stinky town full of old people, and that may have influenced them not drafting me. <laughs> um, but I, I stand by. I stand by it. I think Kelowna is a stinky town full of old people. It sure is. And a little beside, behind the scenes note here, I'm applying for jobs right now uh, in real life, and I just put my name into a firm in Kelowna. So oh, well, I mean, there is soon going to be people do have money. Old. They do, and I need to make a little more of it. I'm sure everyone can attest to that. So. Oh, yeah. That's, it's, uh, there's a lot of that going around. Yeah. Uh, and then I, I guess we could talk about uh, Colorado here, just taking out uh, your, your big sting in Quebec. In that first yeah, that's what I mean. It's, it's, you know, you love to see it. It's, it, it, it that made me feel really good. Um, you sure, it's spiteful and vengeful, but at the same time, you know, like, I don't fucking care. Like, it's just... What's hockey without a little spite and vengeance? It keeps things exactly. interesting, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So now, uh, if we have the playoff standings here... Uh, oh, they haven't put up round three yet. Oh, because, yeah, round two's not done yet. Yeah, no, there's a cu couple of close matchups to go. Uh, was yeah. Vancouver's up 3-2 against uh, Nevada. Um, the, as I much as I'd say, like to say Vancouver still, still, uh, still going strong back to back seasons here. That's for sure. Um, mm -hmm, Nevada mm -hmm. took us out. So, you, you know, it, it, it doesn't hurt me to see that they're down again. No, so, and I find, uh, I mean, I, I was, I was very surprised by Nevada's, uh, I mean, well, the, the, the sweep of Great Falls was very surprising because you guys, definitely outperformed them in the regular season and the, them holding their own against Vancouver, I think speaks to their, uh, speaks to the quality of their coaching. Um, I know, I forget who the coach and GM of Nevada is, but uh, I know they, they, uh, they put in a lot of work with, uh, with sim testing. Would it be Jeff? Does that sound right? Leading the charge in Nevada there. Uh, yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Um, I mean, personally, I, I would like to see Nevada, maybe clinch that series because if only because i think vancouver's a stronger opponent and uh i mean if carolina is going to continue on at around three i'd rather have nevada up there than uh than vancouver personally yeah, i know nevada could be a dark horse if they end up taking out vancouver they'd be a shoo-in for uh trying to make it to the final so you guys got a big task in front of you too but i think it's gonna it's looking like uh from what i've heard uh that carolina is going to be facing anchorage in round three, so then Newfoundland will face the winner of the Nevada-Vancouver series. And that, I mean, both of those are going to be good series. Um, we've done well against Anchorage through the regular season, and uh, I can see, I can see, I can see us taking that series. I mean, we're both coming off of sweeps. We swept Kelowna, they swept Colorado. So it's definitely going to be competitive. And then, I mean, out of Nevada and Vancouver, whoever wins, they're definitely going to have their hands full with Newfoundland, who just continue to be good. Season after season. No, it's uh, it's been impressive. A lot of sweeps so far, just across the board throughout. Uh, yeah, it's it's, it's <laughs> been all it's the been surprisingly one-sided in a lot of cases. Yeah, no, it's exciting. I'm 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 curious to see uh, how round three uh, shapes up and shakes out in uh, the next little bit here. I think we have a uh, some sims going on in just a few more minutes here at the time of this recording. So. Uh, 
I if believe so, yeah. Anyone listening to this will know a little more than us <laughs> once we get at her. Yeah, so do you want to talk? Let's talk a little about the um, World Juniors, because those are coming up here. Uh, the big scandal, I think, was uh, Bilbo uh, getting snubbed by uh, Team British Isles. You know, they're they were they're you know they're building their team, they're doing their thing. Uh, you did land a spot on the Young Guns, who are an interesting team. They're always, I mean, it's it's certainly it's an interesting collection of dudes and dudettes, that's for sure. Um, how do you feel about that? Let's get let's let's get Bilbo's thoughts. Well, well, let, let's uh, get a little education here on uh on for Bilbo Baggins, because you know he's young and dumb and has a little overconfidence. The Young Guns are they their own team in the World Juniors, or is that a yeah? A so attorney? so a couple seasons ago they found um I think the 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 format had previously been there was uh a team. There was two Team Canada and two Team USA teams. There was USA Blue and Red and then Canada Blue and Red. And there was also a team... I think there was also a Team North America. They reorganized it a while ago to just, you know, bring in a little more personality. And uh, we went down to one team for each Canada and the US. And now we have Team uh, Team North America, Team World, and... Uh, team Young Guns? Young, young Guns, yeah. Yeah, because... Yeah. Yeah, uh... Spoiler! I just I just got a message a couple hours back for uh, Team Japan reaching out to me as well. So I'm not sure if oh. I can be shipped around, but uh, I'd be. Uh, uh, you 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 can you can change your you can transfer your uh, your uh, allegiance, I suppose, once per season, or is it just once? I'm not actually too familiar with that. That's not uh, that's not an area of uh, of the league that I've dabbled in too much. No, fair enough. Well, Bilbo, being from Middle Earth, uh, doesn't have uh, too strong of ties one way or another, sort of thing. And uh, if uh, Team Japan can uh, beat up the the British Isles there, I'd be more than excited because mm -hmm. uh, I'm not salty at all from getting snubbed for uh, making another appearance for them. So, <laughs> land of the rising sun, here we come. Yep. No, and I uh, I wish you all the best. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, Roddy made the Team Canada roster for uh, the fourth year in a row, and uh, apparently he's going to be the captain of uh, the Ju Team Junior Canada, which Ooh. is very exciting. Yeah, Big I, shoes to fill. I'm very excited yeah, for Mr. Baines. I mean, I've I've been excited. I've been very pleased with how um, Roddy has has developed. I think he was a bit flat last season, although his defensive stats were very strong, and it's nice to see this season. You know him, kind of. Uh, he's, I mean, he's kind of. He he ended. He's he's finally kind of <clears throat> grown into the role that I envisioned for him. He's, uh, you know, a, a strong two-way playmaker. He's got a lot of assists. He's uh, you know, he's a presence on the team defensively and offensively. And um, yeah, apparently they like me. Uh, spending my last last season as the alternate captain. This season as the captain, and now the captaincy of. Uh, the junior Canucks. It's. I mean, it's. 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 It's nice. It feels good to get that that vote of confidence. Great place to be, and I'm sure you deserve all of it, and and then someday. No, I'm worried. I mean, my only concern at this point is, uh, you know, the pressure is certainly on. Then, <clears throat> you know, for next season, making my debut into uh, into Montreal, there's certainly a lot of. Uh, I mean, I there, I think there's going to be some expectations to perform. 
Nope, nope. Uh, that's super understandable. Uh, Bilbo's first year of development. Uh, been a bit of a roller coaster here for him. That's for sure. Uh, yeah, no, ended the regular season with 22 points as a D-man, uh, 5 goals, 15 assists. I envisioned him being, uh, just a, a point shooter the whole way through, and I'm still building around that, but, uh, I feel like I've had to round out his game a little bit more, be a little more defensively responsible, but it doesn't show up too much on the, uh, the point side of the stat sheet, but, uh, he's, he's definitely getting leaned on for some solid defensive minutes. Well, and that's, I mean... That's the you need that in a team, especially a young team like Great Falls. And I think, uh, you know, Bilbo kind of getting the chance to grow up with that franchise is going to be uh, is going to be very exciting. No, I'm 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 looking forward to uh, next season in training camp because uh, still still out of the playoffs here. My heart's a little heavy. It's, but, it uh, does make for a long off season. <laughs> it does I've make for there. a long off season. But uh, nope, next next training camp a little more. Uh, just training across the board, and I'm, I'm hoping to see Bilbo contribute a little more on the uh, the point sheet as well as being defensively responsible. So, uh, yeah, no, ho- hopefully uh, he, he finds his niche here on the oh, uh, very on the very blue high line. hopes, very high hopes. And remind me again, um, which SHL team were you drafted by? Uh, I haven't been drafted by the SHL yet. I don't think I. Or is that? Oh no, no, that'll be uh, that'll be this season, I think. It, it'll either be this oh, season yeah, or the be... one coming up. So, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's something to look forward oh, to in the exciting. near future. Yeah, that is very exciting. Um, have you been? Have so? Let's talk about that then. Have any teams reached out to you regarding huh? uh, regarding scouting? Is there anywhere you'd like to go? I mean, obviously, you know, Buffalo, Hamilton, those are the big uh, the big franchise. You know the dominant winning teams like they've they've they just keep winning so you know you know that's a nice place to end up but uh what do you think anywhere you'd like to go you you know honestly on the whole shl side of things i haven't paid too much attention to it yet just uh mm-hmm. you know still still learning the ins and outs of the j and how everything works here considering it's a first character that we're playing with but uh no nah, i'd just be i'd be happy to go with a club that needs me honestly where, where I can uh, put in some time and m- make an effort. I'd, I'd rather not be a seventh string D man, but I mm-hmm. know there's a there's a lot of depth up there in the SHL, and B- Bilbo's a couple seasons out before making it, so we'll we'll see where he ends up. I'd say that's I mean that's a good attitude to have. I think you know, um, and with with my experience with Montreal at least was uh, I you know my first season after being drafted by them. Um, I tried to stick around the locker room and just kind of contribute to that. But as far as, you know, watching the streams and paying attention to the record, I didn't pay too close of attention to that. And then as we moved a couple of seasons away from uh, from the draft, I mean, there's been a lot going on in Montreal. We had, uh, you know, some head office drama, you know, all the usual growing pains of an expansion team. And, uh, you know, I feel like I've, I've been sort of paying more attention and, you know, spending more and more time there as we... Uh, as Roddy moves towards his inevitable, inevitable call up, and uh, I am deeply appreciative uh, of this fourth season down in the uh, down in the J. I really, I, I feel like, I mean, even if we, even now, if we get swept by uh, whoever we face in, in round three, breaking that second round curse, finishing my season as as the captain, and you know, just even if this is as far as we go, it'll still be a very high note for me personally. So. No, lot, lots of high notes for Mr. Uh, Roderick Baines as he uh, 
potentially makes his way into the SHL next season. And uh, you can break the ice for me and tell me what's going on up there before uh, before I start moving around. Give me some uh, tips and tricks of the trade. Oh, absolutely will. Yeah, but uh, yeah, no, being, I don't know, Bill was arguably, what, three seasons out before he uh, makes an SHL de- debut. So much can change on any team. So Oh, definitely. Just happy to uh, get any recognition that uh, comes my way, and I'll I'll, I'll build around whatever uh, anyone tells me to. Just, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. But uh, a couple yeah. of goals for Bilbo wouldn't hurt. That's for sure. So you know. Well, I'm I'm certain I'm certain they'll come, and you know it's uh, you know Team Young Guns has uh, really struggled through their uh, through their team's history uh, in the in you know in in, in the uh, World Juniors. But you know, it is it is an opportunity. It's all just it's more ice time. It's more experience. You get a chance to meet some new people, maybe build some chemistry. And uh, I mean, I I hope you do well. I hope so too. No, it'll 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 be fun regardless of uh, how things go. And I think I'm starting to get the hang of the whole uh, simulation hockey league as a whole. Uh, coming to the end of the first season here that uh, Bilbo's been playing. That's, I'm glad to hear that. It takes a bit to settle in, but uh, um, you know it gets comfy. It gets comfy after a while. Yeah, yeah. And the uh, uh, great GFG locker room has been uh, fantastic for me. I, I'm going to miss a couple of our guys that are getting called up here, but uh, it's uh, it's been fun to see where everyone's at, and we're, we're looking forward to next season too. That's for sure. Awesome. Yeah. Do you uh, do you want to do some questions? Uh, yeah, we can do questions. Uh, I did want to take a quick note for uh, one player on Maine here who's been uh, destroying in the in the playoffs. Uh, oh. Maine, Maine, unfortunately, is uh, did the Maine get knocked out second round? Yep, nope they got they got beat second round by the Berserkers there. But their player mm-hmm. Big Noof has oh, just yes. been destroying the stats leaderboard for, for, oh, yeah, no, for, for playoff uh, performance <laughs> before round three has started here. It's, 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 he, I played with Big Noof on, uh, on Team Canada last season, and I think he and Roddy were on a line together, and they did, they did very well. But yeah, Noof is just a, yeah, you're not kidding. He's in, he just keeps popping up everywhere. Yep, no, I've got him at 67 hits, which is just leagues ahead of anybody else. And then he's got... <laughs> 11 points. 11 points plus 7. Just, yeah, uh... What an absolute monster. That makes me very... That makes me very... Wow, yeah, he's got three times as many hits as the person in second place. Good lord. Love to have monster. him on your team. I hate to play against him. That's, uh... Yeah. Yeah, so Definitely, yeah, and so... I think if I'm not mistaken here, I think that he made uh, he made the, the WJC Canada team as well. well. You guys will be a force to reckon with again, that's for sure. That'll be very fun. I have been uh, I have been enjoying the uh, the physical side of uh, of Roddy's play. Um, I've been planning talking to Montreal and uh, Infidel up there, and I'm planning on. Um, my big, you know, my big unbank from 425 up to, you know, probably around 850, as I mentioned before. Uh, very excited for that, but I'm going to be making Roddy into something of a uh, power forward, which is just a very, I mean, I love a power forward, I really do, and it's just going to be, 
it's just fun. Like, I think power forwards are some of the most fun players to watch play, and uh, to be able to actually, you know, be that is going to be very fun for me personally. Well, power forwards are get some of the most dynamic plays, and when when they when they make a good play or just muscle through a whole crowd, everybody notices. And mm-hmm. uh, oh yes, Roderick's a center too, eh? No, he's a winger. Oh, he is a winger. Okay, he's a winger. I've been playing. Uh, he's been playing center for team uh, the team can- team Canada, uh, just because we don't have we haven't had a lot of natural centers for the past few seasons, and I think he's got an eleven in faceoffs. So. I mean, he just kind of. Yeah, eleven. Eleven's bigger than five. You'll you'll be doing okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The uh, yeah, I dug up the uh, Team Canada Junior roster announcement post, and uh, it's going to be interesting. We're going with uh, sixteen forwards and four defensemen, and uh, we have one goalie so far. So it's going to be. Uh, I think it's going to be Team Canada is going to come out shooting. It's going to be a very, because yeah, it looks like we'll have a, uh, we're going to have a, a pair of forwards filling in on, on D, which is, that has worked, that worked very well for Carolina when we had um, oh, Freya Hellstrom uh, a few seasons ago was a, uh, was a forward who went, uh, very unfortunately went inactive and ended up slotting into the blue line and then was just an absolute, an absolute force of an inactive player. Uh, so having having the two forwards on the blue line could work well for Team Canada. Uh, we've struggled to score goals in the past, and uh, I think it's definitely going to be it's definitely going to be interesting. You know, looking at the uh, looking at the at the roster here: Roderick Baines, Scott Thorne, Big Noof, Gabe Gooney, Waters, Herrick, Connor O'Byrne, Alexander McKenzie, Akashi Six Nine Junior, Ezra Wong, Alexis Paquette. Uh, a lot of names in there. And I think, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's what I like about what I like about this team and the way it's set up here is that it 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 it, it reminds me of very classic Canadian hockey. You've got big, you know, big heavy forwards, and it feels very much like uh, you know, with, with Baines, Noof, and uh, Gabe Gooney, Waters, Herrick, especially. You know, it's 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 fun to see that more old school style of hockey, just big, you know, big tough guys going into the corners and uh it's going to be interesting to see i don't i don't think canada is going to do very well in the world juniors this year part of that is because uh team datch is going to be offensive just disgusting and uh team ucorical as well just they're absolutely loaded I don't know, regardless, and, uh, it's going to be fun, fun to see how the experiment goes, having a couple of extra forwards on the, the D spots there. Maybe oh, you guys definitely. will have a flawless uh, power play percentage, because that'd be, that'd be, it'll be exciting to see. I'm looking forward to reviewing that. Oh, it's certainly, it'll be, it'll be fun to watch. Um, I'm looking forward to the, uh, the World, Junior, uh, World Junior streams. Yeah, no, I'll uh, I'll be paying a little more attention this year, that's for sure myself, just because uh, it was in the middle of me finding out how everything was working last time when, uh, when the World Juniors was rolling through, so. Alrighty, so we've got, uh, I got some questions from Montreal, some right. questions from Carolina. I'm going to start with the Carolina ones, because they're a little, uh, little, sh- little quicker, a little less serious, and then Infidel in uh, Montreal. Always dropping really interesting questions as always. So, from uh, Slothface Killer, got any plans for the holidays? Um, well, I'll actually be going down to Kamloops to uh, visit John here. 
uh, my girlfriend and I making the trip should be very fun. Um, we may record another broadcast in person, which could be very fun while I'm down there, but who knows? As uh, long so, as we have John. a couple beers in us, that sounds like the perfect holiday setting, that's for sure. That sounds, it does sound <laughs> delightful. Also, uh, I noticed, very excited on that note of me coming down there, um, I saw Redcaller on Instagram. They posted that uh, they're serving Dubnog again, and I am absolutely dying for it. I need it in my life so badly. I've missed it so much. That's my favorite brewery, and the Dubnog is just a fantabulous drink. And I, I need it in my life, in my mouth. I, I just bought a couple of uh, bombers of their triple, actually, yesterday. It's, Ooh, the uh, triple is good. It's so good, and it, it hits like a truck, though, but it's delicious. I, for for a high-percentage beer, easily my favorite. I If it had less, if it, even if it wasn't a strong beer, it's just a fantastic flavor profile across the board. Absolutely, I'm gonna bring uh, I'm gonna bring you some beer from the uh, Town Square Brewing, which I've recently recently discovered here in Edmonton. Uh, they make some very good beers, and they've got a I think one of the one of the owners or someone involved with they have an in house artist that does all their labels, and their I mean their labels are sexy, and the beer is just really good. They make one they make a donut beer. It's an imperial stout, and uh, it's brewed with with. I think vegan donuts and it's 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 a wild beer it smells like cupcakes and it's it's one of the smoothest imperial stouts i've ever ever tasted we're we're, we're gonna have to do some beer hopping when you come down here because i think oh, i think we've absolutely. got uh four craft breweries in cambridge now which isn't bad just, it's, I just, uh... the last time i was there um so i, I, went, I used to go to red collar all the time when it was the only one and then we went out to Bright Eye the last time I was there, but I still haven't tried the one up the hill, which is Iron uh, Road. Yep. Yeah, I've heard very good things about that. So, yeah, we'll definitely have to do some brewery hopping. Um, this may just turn into a beer a, a beer review podcast for a while, which would be... I mean, I don't think anyone would complain. My, my viewership is very, very low as it is, so... If you don't like beer... Uh, oh, let's skip ahead a minute. But yeah, no, it's it's no, it's fantastic. Cause uh, how big's Candle? Do you think it's like eighty to hundred k? I I haven't looked it up for a while. Give or take, yeah. But to have four craft breweries in town, I'm uh I'm quite pleased with how many have <laughs> popped up over the last couple oh, of definitely. years. Oh, definitely. I mean, I think Edmonton is Edmonton's close to a million people, and I think they've only got. Well, Edmonton itself, I think, only has four. But I mean, there are there are actually quite a few. Uh, every time I go to the farmer's market, there's always a new place popping up with a stall there. Um, a lot of gin distilleries, actually, which I've been uh, been enjoying quite a bit. I've tried some very tasty gins. Oh, nice. Yeah, we had a, a gin and whiskey, uh, for lack of a better word, uh, a brew house or tasting house for a little bit there. But I, they did shut down and renovate and I think reorganize over the whole COVID season. Mm-hmm. This last summer, so I'm not sure if they're they're just sticking with whiskeys and gins, or if they've expanded their uh, their uh, menu there. But uh, I'm well, looking we'll, forward to uh, see they're they're I think they're reopening here in the new year. So, oh, very exciting. We'll have to uh, if they're open, we'll have to check it out. Yeah. All right. Second question from Sloth: What funny secret Santa gifts would Kraken players give each other? Um, I enjoy. I think I can very clearly picture the Carolina locker room. 
doing like a white elephant gift party and uh i can see the white elephant gift being just like a frozen bag of calamari that's been really badly wrapped and then as it keeps getting passed around it just slowly starts defrosting and just getting soggy and the paper starts melting and falling off and that would just be hilarious i love that that's a <laughs> that's a good one uh slight derivative because uh we just did a little uh, secret sanded between uh, myself and a couple of buddies over here. Uh, each three of us, we gave six beers to each person, give 12, get 12 sort of thing. Um, we all went to the same liquor store. So there's tons of overlap in the beers that we've received <laughs> and given. And uh, my one buddy here, he uh, left a little surprise for one. I came home and I was uh, putting the beers away and they've, they've wrapped them all up so I can't see all of them. Clearly, as I'm opening through my advent calendar of beer here. And uh, the one felt flat, like it was cracked on the inside. I'm like, oh no, it's punctured, this one beer's ruined. Uh, put it in the sink, unwrap this thing, and then I see that the top of the beer can has been uh, cut open, and there's just a little, ball, little bottle of Fireball on the inside, which has been a back-and-forth joke, because we keep giving <laughs> each other Fireball, despite both of us uh, having a certain hate for it at the same time. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, shout, I, I get... shout out to Connor if you hear this through the internet sphere, <laughs> you son of a bitch. I, I I won't forget this. Personally, I'm definitely on team fuck fireball. It's it's an atrocious drink. I can't even eat cinnamon hearts anymore because the smell just reminds me of of fireball. And I used to love cinnamon hearts. I really did. And it's it's just it's not a good drink. It's not good. It tastes bad. It smell bad. It do bad. And that's really all there is to it. No, I've uh, I've had some self-reflection over the years that if I want Fireball or start giving it around, it means I'm already drunk. So, if you ever <laughs> see me busted out somewhere, just know that I'm pretty lit up. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, I, I'm the same way. If you ever catch me drinking whiskey and making faces like I'm enjoying it, uh, then at that point I should have been cut off an hour ago. And please take me home and feed me pasta. See, I I, I might be a bit of an enabler here because uh, between my myself and Neha, uh, we're we're, we're Drink whiskey. That's pretty much been our number one choice to drink for the last few years. So, see, that's I see. I'm I'm fortunate in that uh, I drink gin, and uh, my partner uh, absolutely detests gin. She will she will curse and rail against gin for hours on end, uh, and and it's nice because then I don't have to share. Fair enough. And uh, we, we've all got that one drink. Uh, Zambuca is the one for me. I can't touch that with a ten mm. foot pole. I. Uh, mm -hmm. Made a mistake in my youth, and I, I still haven't recovered to this day. Uh, <laughs> Black, Black Licker Shania used to be a fan of, can't, can't just, no. It's, uh, it's a distant memory at this point now. We, we, we try I've to keep, some, keep myself uh, in it separate. That's fair. I've had some very uh, some very hazy nights on a Greek vacation uh, with, with some very, very well-made ouzo. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The one it ended up with, um, my, older, my older brother and I, we were on vacation with my parents when we were teenagers, and we went to this, it was a tour of the original Olympic Stadium in Heraklion, and uh, afterwards there was a, a musical, sh there was a, a dinner a dinner and a show, so we were having this sort of early dinner, late lunch, and uh, there was Greek music and dancing, it was a lot of fun, and um, there's pitchers of water on the tables, but there's also these bottles next to them full of clear liquid, and... Um, 
my brother and I figured out pretty quickly that they were Uzo, so we poured ourselves some cups, and it was really, really nice Uzo, very smooth. So we were drinking that, having a great time. And uh, this lady across from us, just someone else on our tour group, um, I guess it was thirsty, so she reaches for what she thinks is a bottle of water, pours her, and, and we just watched her. She, she, she poured a full, like, juice tumbler, big cup of Uzo, thinking it was water, <laughs> and then we just, we, we, we were on tender hooks and i just we, we locked eyes and we looked over at this woman and she just took this huge mouthful like you know you'd go to drink water when you're thirsty and in in like the just the blink of an eye she went through all the stages of grief and she's she turned from green to yellow to blue and and she we we were just howling the whole end of the table watched her do it it was so funny <laughs> and then it turns out that nobody else in the group liked the uzo so they passed the bottle from the other end of our table down. So my brother and I each had a bottle of Uzo with lunch. And I mean, a, a couple other people had like little glasses and then the tour was over and there was time to do a little bit of shopping on the way back to the cruise ship. And we had decided we had enough to drink to be able to tolerate Greek beer, which is terrible by the way. So we sit down with our younger brother in this little, uh, little cafe in the marketplace and we order some some mythos greek beer absolutely terrible it's 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 swill flavored piss water just absolutely revolting we're having a great time and they bring it out in these full one liter like full-on dos boot glass boots and they just monstrous things they were like oh fuck that's a lot of beer um we you know we gave it a good try and then we're sitting there enjoying our beers and then you know sam the younger brother looks up at us and he's like hey guys what what time is it? I don't have a, like, I don't have my phone. I don't have a, a, a watch. And we, we, you know, kind of scan around the restaurant and we realize that our, the last call to get back on the boat is in like 10 minutes and we're on the other side of the Harbor. So we just <laughs> drop some money on the table, slam down these beers and drunkenly, the three of us are sprinting through this Greek marketplace trying to like dodge around tourists and trying to make it back to the cruise ship terminal before we get abandoned in Greece. Uh, we did make it. Um, our parents were less than pleased because they were waiting like at the, they were waiting at the, at the, at the end of the dock. Like just, yeah, they were, we were some of the last people back on the boat and oh boy, it was a close call, but uh great, great fun. Great story. You guys made it. We made it, and we live happily ever after. Though in hindsight, maybe I should have just stayed in Greece. I think I could have been very happy there. It's a beautiful fucking country. Great food. So much cheese. Yeah, you, you, you have to get used to the, the, the beer and the ouzo, though. That has to become part of your bloodstream. I think the ouzo I could get used to. I think it would be the... Um, I feel like learning Greek would really, really throw me for a loop. Moving on, I got another question here from McPumpkin. This is a good one. What's your favorite style of broom? Now, personally, in my line of work, uh, we do a lot of cleanup with the long-handled um, stiff bristle push broom. It's very good for cleaning up piles of sawdust. Uh, that's a personal favorite of mine. For around-the-house tasks, I'll go with the traditional, you know, little back-and-forth sort of witch's style broom. I, uh, I do prefer a synthetic fiber rather than a uh, natural fiber. Just easier to clean, uh, doesn't retain odors as much. How about yourself, John? Uh, I was I was going to mention the push broom. I don't use one in my day-to-day -day anymore, but, uh, you know, 
clean it up a warehouse floor or a concrete pad, stiff bristles, you, 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 you sweep it up good, you sweep it up clean, it feels like you've done a good job. Uh, in the house, you know, I buy a little Oscar, something from Walmart, you always got that trail of, uh, that, that line that you can never get rid of, trying to get it mm -hmm. into the, into mm -hmm. the pan. Um, brooms in the home, I think pretty interchangeable. Having, having a good dustpan that, that goes well with the ground. That's, that's where the true money's at. Definitely. Um, yeah. But in our house, we got a little, um, broom slash vacuum hybrid sort of thing. Multi-surface oh, hard thing guy. So, you know, that, that, that does the job pretty well. That's, uh, it's pretty much my go-tos for at the home here. Definitely. I find, uh, personally, we've got, uh, we've got all, um, you know, that uh, lit, fancy linoleum that looks like hardwood. Um, we've moved almost entirely to, uh, I've got a little, little, uh, multi-service vacuum here, and then the, uh, the Swiffer wet mop, which is, I find a better than a broom in almost all instances. Yeah, but, no, we, uh, we picked up a Swiffer here too. Big, big fan mm -hmm. of it. It, uh, cleans mm -hmm. it up. Um, side note, cleaning floors. Don't know if I've told this story before. Uh, so we're renting a little two-bedroom apartment sort of thing. We've got mm -hmm. a linoleum floor throughout our kitchen area. And, mm -hmm. uh, it's kind of an off-white cream and kind of textured with, uh, more or less black dots, you could say, throughout it sort of thing. It's... Wow, that sounds awful. Yeah, no, it's, you know, it's... I think building was built in the 70s. The floor is yeah. probably mid-80s-ish. It, it's not yeah, stock, but it's it's not great. But uh, there's been a few marks on the floor that I've tried cleaning out several times. And uh, with some blood, sweat, and tears, still couldn't get it out. Until, uh, and I, I thought it was just part of the floor design. I'm like, oh, okay, no, that's, that, that spot's probably just part of the floor. Some of those, that speckled blackness sort of thing. Which drives mm -hmm. me crazy. Um, one day I got angry. I busted out the mop. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to wholeheartedly endorse uh, Dawn Platinum Power Wash. Sprayed that shit mm -hmm. all over my floor. That's good uh, shit. Basically comes out sudsy. Don't buy the refills. Just buy the regular Dawn Platinum and water it down and put it back into your squirt bottle. Saves you a little money there. It's great for cleaning Fair floors. Enough. Good little, tip. Little, little house life tip. Uh, my floor in the kitchen was so goddamn shiny. I, uh, I bragged about <laughs> it to my fiance. She was impressed with how shiny it was. My mother came <laughs> over. She was like, damn, your floor looks good. <laughs> so, uh, a couple podcasts ago, I turned 30 and I think this is probably one of those, uh, hype moments in life, realizing that you're 30 and you wouldn't be hyped about this if I was any younger, but and my God, I, I clean floor with a mop man just oh just love it couldn't be more excited i've uh i'm i'm looking down the pipe i turned 30 in uh in the beginning of february here and uh i i've been feeling some of those moments myself lately um taylor and i bought an area rug okay mm -hmm. and uh that's the kind of thing that up to this point in my life i really would only do in the sims and <laughs> i have to say went to ikea Got a nice little, uh, it's it's gray, it's plush, it's got a thick liner, uh, it's nice and soft, but it's not, uh, it's not like, it, it's, it doesn't have like a deep, a deep fiber, so it, it vacuums out well, but it's incredibly soft, it muffles the noise in the apartment, makes it cozy on your toesies, and uh, it's just the kind of thing that I, 
I never would have thought I'd get excited about, but I, you know, I found myself every time I vacuum it, I'll just lay down on it for a few minutes and be like, damn, this is a comfy ass rug. It really, you know, in the words of a wise Lebowski, it really ties the room together. Nope, that's a, no, de definitely a step in the, the uh, getting older ge generation, that's for sure. Uh, Neha turned me into a bit of a house husband a few years back, and we got an area rug in our living room here. In the first few months living here, got that wall art up on the wall. House mm -hmm. is pretty much turning into a home. Uh, mm -hmm. was it wasn't due to me. I just I just move and put things in places. That's that's my contribution to the world. But yeah, yeah no, it's uh, well, it ties together, and I I appreciate all the little things a little bit more. That's for sure. No, definitely. No, as far as uh, as far as the as house husbandry goes, I'm uh, I'm very keen on that idea. Um, so I mean, the sooner that Taylor can uh, become a high powered root and tootin lawyer, and um, I'm going to get certified as a trainer. And I mean, if I can do that part time and just be a like most of the time house husband, while she goes and does like fancy lawyer things, wears nice shoes and pantsuits. And I just get to be a house husband who, you know, works a few days a week to bring in some, uh, bring in some snack money. I will be absolutely hyped for that. That sounds like an absolute dream to me. I just, I get, I would just get to cook all the time. I could, I could hang out. All I gotta do is clean the house, be a good house husband. I could do that. I think that sounds like a good time to me. It's not bad. We can exchange some uh, recipes here, there, Ben, because uh, my my cooking game has stepped up the last few months. That's that's you, you, that's great to hear. I'm, yeah. I, I've definitely got I've got a couple I've got a couple standbys, the go-to recipes. I'll definitely slide those your way. Let's uh, let's get back onto track here. Some questions from Infidel uh, before we get back off track talking about the NHL again because we haven't done that yet. And I know I know we're gonna and we're only looking at like another twenty minutes left here. So Infidel uh, GM of Montreal, thank you as always for your contributions. What is your prediction on your performance next season in Montreal? This is a tricky one because the trajectory of Montreal is well it's tricky to it's tricky to project. I think next season well next season we're going to do better and I hope that Roddy can be a part of that. I'd like to see I mean my not a prediction but my hope is that Roddy comes in and can, you know, contend for that Rookie of the Year award. I'd like to see him in the discussion for that. That's my hope. That's my dream. As far as predicting his performance, I I mean, I just wanted to be a contributor. That's all I wanted. Um, that's all I really ever wanted for my players, to just be a contributing part of a winning team. And I think that's all anyone wants. No, I'm just, uh, I'm scoping out the SHL here sort of thing. Uh, no, Mont Montreal, uh, Bit, bit, bit of a dip in the uh, plus minus this year. That's it's uh, definitely, sure. uh, definitely going through a build. So uh, I, I, th I think you'll find a spot to slot right in there, especially oh, if you're bringing in that, uh, the physical side of the game. It's uh, hard yep. to get scored on when the other team's getting hit all the time. So. <laughs> yep. Yep. The uh, that goal differential is something else. But, Negative. Uh, Negative 216 goal differential for Montreal. Uh, I'd really like to see Roddy um, work towards erasing some of that. But yeah. no, I think um, I think Montreal's on track to enter 
maybe not contention, but we're definitely going to be a lot more competitive in the next season. I can see us... Uh, Mm. Well, unfortunately, we are in a brutal division. The Northeast Division has Buffalo, Hamilton, New England, Toronto, and Montreal. That is a that is a tough division to be in, and um, it's going to be an upward climb. But uh, I'm very hopeful that Roddy can come in and have a positive impact on the team. No, for sure, and uh, plus minus isn't the. Uh... The I mean, it's be all stat anyway. Yeah, yeah, no, the goal, goal differential, it's it, it's a good benchmark, but you can fix that up with just a couple of moves. And if you're making small steps in the right direction, season to season, you're doing something right, and it's sustainable oh, that way. So, I'm I'm looking forward to see how you do next season. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, next one from Infidel. Anything you dislike about the league now that you're three seasons in? I've actually given this one a lot of thought because. Uh, there's been a lot of discussion around regression and parity in the league. And, you know, you have just these dynasty teams that keep winning and winning and winning. And this kind of ties in with my thought that I like I like a little realism in my simulations. I mean, that's why anyone plays simulations. I like a little realism. And the one thing that I've found a little bit vexing so far is that very much unlike real life, player progression is extremely linear in the league in that you know you're in your tpe week by week and it's just a very you know steady progressive climb and you know it's not that's not always reflected on the ice but the personal skill development is extremely linear and it just doesn't work like that in real life i mean you have you know you have players that's you know the sophomore slump is a great example of really talented players who just can't you just can't make it work. You know, for some reason, players have up and down seasons. And, I mean, to inject a little more realism into the into the league, I think um, my idea on this that I think would be fairly interesting would be a, uh, a TPE lotto. So every active user, for example... Uh, gets entered is automatically entered in this lottery for extra TPE and you have you know you have your top prize maybe something you know once per season maybe like an extra 20 TPE for would be the top prize then you have a few other ones you know a few smaller ones in uh, in smaller increments and then essentially you start out with uh well as far as the I, I'm I wouldn't know how to crunch the numbers on the actual odds but obviously you'd have younger players or players with fewer active seasons would have more entries or more balls in the lotto um you know more more balls in the lotto than uh, than older players but it just that chance for to make it to make it less linear because you know you always have players and or or even you know you, you have you have players that you know surprise you you get players coming out of late rounds that experience ex you know extremely promising development and end up, you know, making the big leagues. You have first rounders that don't always pan out. Um, but something else that I've seen, and we've seen this a lot in the NHL this season and last season, is older players having kind of renaissance seasons. I mean, you look at guys like uh, well, Ovechkin. I don't, I, I don't think really counts for this example, just because he's never really regressed. He's just continued to evolve and change his game and be Ovechkin. But um, I know last season, oh, who had a, who had a season like a Pat Marlowe last season, 
um, old man. He's the old man on the block for the NHL. Had a he had he had a lot of success. Joe Thornton, Jason Spezza, um, Drew Doughty's getting up there as well. Anze Kopitar. These older guys that are having, you know, they're they're still able to find ways to change their game and to improve and to really continue to uh, to contribute to teams. And I think having you know the having you know giving them a chance to get on this TPE lotto would be. I mean, it, it would be interesting, and I think it would break kind of that linear progression. And you know, it's it's just it's it's another chance, you know, to get some extra TPE. I think that would contribute to the TPE inflation that's been a problem. But it's just it's that's my suggestion on how to inject a little more, a little more uncertainty into player development. Yeah. No. I. Uh... Linear progression is definitely a thing, and it's it's hard to reflect someone like, say, uh, a Jason Spezza, who's your go-to guy, getting more leans and changing up in his game, saying being a uh, third-line guy, more defensively responsible, can bring a little more grit, where it, is, it might not have been shown so much in the earlier part of his years, where he was putting up a lot of more big numbers. Um, it's, it's hard to reflect that in this, I, I would imagine. Um, I guess regression does take a point of it, but uh, the linear growth and linear regression, it, uh, no, it makes it a little hard. It's I don't think it was the perfect right answer in the simulation, mind you, because you're, you're oh, always yeah. going to be limit, uh, limited to that. It, it is just a big numbers game across the board, right? That's true, but I think... The what I mean the 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 my main beef with the linear progression and regression is that it does feel occasionally like player agency is lacking in that no. you know you kind of become locked onto this this you know this this parabolic track and you know you're gonna you're gonna hit your peak when you hit your peak and if you're not on a competitive team well you better get traded um and I, I realize that that's to a certain extent that's how you know that's how it works in real life but i mean i think just add in a little uncertainty maybe make maybe make your regression rolls maybe maybe make it a roll for regression you know you lose you know it, it, instead of a static number it's you lose you know pull up a random number generator and you know each draft class you know doesn't well I mean, there, there's no perfect way to address this but i think adding less i think adding less certainty to progression and regression is the way to go not oh, fair enough now that can uh it kind of get tied into one of the things I dislike about the league here is uh, the whole uh, stats, the players building, uh, what do all the numbers mean, how much does it impact you from increasing a stat from 12 to 13, let's say, mm -hmm. versus around 15 to 16. Um, I understand it is a bit of a black box through 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 the whole simulation hockey league and it's it's just kind of the nature of the beast i'm not against it sort of thing but i feel like for me to get an edge now into building a character and stuff like that sure it takes some time and practice and experience but uh or picking up a franchise hockey manager there too and mm -hmm. playing around with that doing it on your own on the back end just to figure out hey should i increase x stat over y stat sort of thing to yeah. uh be more of a contributor to my team and it um, is a little, it is a little arcane. I know what you mean. It's it's you know from the outs to be from the on the outside looking in, it's a little impenetrable. 
you know, you're looking at, you know, you've got X number of TPE to spend. You're like, okay, is it is it better for me to put one point into this or, you know, to put, you know, two points into these other stats? And it, it is, it's a little, like I said, arcane. Like, you know, there you have the people in the league, the veterans who've been around for ages and ages on their second or third recreate, and they know mm-hmm. what's up and they know how to build a winning character. And I think you see that a little bit. Well, you definitely see that in how often recreates are taken over new players in all the drafts, and you see it in in you know the the Buffalo and the Hamilton uh, dynasties. It's guys that have been around, they know how to build players, and they know how to build teams, and they can tell their rookies, okay, you want to do this build because this is going to be your spot on the team, and we know this wins, and this is how it works, and that's great, that's fun to be able to do that, but it it is. I, I know you've struggled a little bit with this, and I certainly struggled with, I mean, the the learning curve for new for new players coming into the league is very steep. No, for sure. And uh, the, the amount of competitiveness from a, from a first build versus a, like a, a recreate sort of thing feels like uh, we're starting off on the back foot. Whoa. Oh, definitely. We're not making the right decisions. Part of the nature of the beast, and uh, I, I don't mean to... Uh, you should be using the knowledge that you build from your first character into your second one to, to build a stronger one. But uh, my only fear is that maybe I get five, six seasons into Bilbo, and I'm like, you know what, I'm ready to retire him and start a new player now that I've learned all this knowledge so I can make a more competitive player right now rather than riding out his career into the sunset, which would be... I. I think a more appropriate arc for uh, Mr. Baggins, if I could, because he's he's my first and near and dear to my heart. Uh, oh, and maybe I'm overthinking absolutely. it, but that's that's, the, that's one of my gripes. Uh, no, I, I I agree completely. You've got a solid point there, and uh, yeah, I feel the same way. You know, my body's my first character, and I I plan to uh, I plan to to carry him through as long as like I mean as long as I'm going to play Roddy as long as someone somewhere is willing to give him a contract. I don't care how deep he goes into regression. I will take league minimum. Like, oh, you could pay me a, you could pay me a half million to be a fourth line grinder, but just, I'm going to play him as long as someone will give him a contract. Um, it's just cause that's, that's, that's fun to me. That's what I want from his, from his career. I like the idea of, you know, I like that idea of being like the Joe Thornton or the Jason Spets, I mean, you know, the old man on the block. And, uh, that's fun to me. And, I mean, so far, I, I mean, I have no plans to leave Montreal. They drafted me. I mean, Roddy, something would have to seriously change for me to ever want out of Montreal. I just really, I don't have, I mean, more than, I mean, I like it there. But more than that, I just have no interest in learning a new team. Making new friends is fucking hard enough. And, I mean, I plan to, I, I plan to have Montreal retire, or to have Roddy retire in Montreal. No, no, that's, uh, I, I think that's kind of the ideal way to look at it. Unless your motivations are different and you're just chasing the money, go go all for it. Whatever uh, whatever floats your boat for your own character's goals. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I have one more little uh, point of dislike to bring up, and possibly it's just from ignorance myself, uh, but the TPE cap in the J. Mm, yeah, that has been, that's been discussed. I have feelings on that as well. Uh, my thoughts, uh, it, it, it seems odd to have just hundreds of TPE banked up before you, you break into the SHL myself. Mm-hmm. I am, 
I'm assuming there's a reason it was put in place, but I'm ignorant to it, and I have no idea why it's a thing. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure why it's there either. I, I agree. Because, again, coming back to talking about realism in simulations, is you do see that. You get players that come through playing Major Junior that make everyone around them look stupid. It just happens sometimes. And you have, I mean, that's the nature of the beast, is that you have extremely skilled players, and then, you know, you have other people as well. But it's, it's I think, I understand the cap is there to... You know, to keep, I'm, I'm assuming it's there to, you know, prevent teams from keeping their players in in the J for four seasons. And, you know, you have four seasons of earning. You're going to be a dominant monster of a player in the J going up against rookies. And then I think it's 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 in part to prevent, you know, just building on juggernaut teams. Yeah, and you, you and... Know, I mean, you, you see that in Vancouver already. It's, for whatever reason, their prospects tend to get very, or Vancouver's call-ups tend to be very seasoned you know they have very veteran teams they don't seem to get called up that often and they're they're competitive year after year yeah no like i don't know my first thought of tpe cap is it allows new builds first timers rookie players to be competitive and contribute whereas uh we'd just be left to the wayside into a super pseudo development league where you're just basically warming the bench while you're gaining tpe which isn't fun for anybody yeah yeah. yeah, but, uh, yeah, no, just, I don't know, I'd, I'd like to have breakout stars, it'd be, it'd be nice to see a franchise person happen once in a while, but, oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, it, it, I guess it is at the risk of, uh, making it, uh, less fun for the rest of us, if, uh, one person's just sweeping up the board nonstop. Definitely, and I think, I mean, I, I think a way that could be addressed would be to have, because it's currently, after your first season, or it's it's three fifty after one season, and then four twenty five after two seasons, and then no matter how long you stay in the J after that, you're stuck at four twenty five. I'd like to see maybe, you know, most players spend three seasons in the J, so I think there should be a third level to the cap. Then, if that's you know, if they're going to stay with the capped league, maybe go three fifty, four twenty five, four seventy five, or four fifty, <clears throat> or even four fifty, or something. To make that, because uh, I mean, Roddy's been capped at 425 for two full seasons now, because he's he's this is his fourth season in the J, and I have to say it, you know, it loses a little of the glimmer where I just I'm just banking up all these TPE and I can't I can't apply them and it's frustrating because I can see aspects in Roddy's game that I want to work on, and you know areas I'd like to shore up and improve upon and I can't do that. It's a little frustrating, but yeah. And maybe yeah. a, maybe an extra tier to the cap wouldn't be uh well, it could be a good idea honestly it doesn't even have to be that much of a jump but just yeah just like that extra like i said that extra you know 25 tpe you know go from 425 to 450 that yep. extra 25 tpe i could bump up a couple of you know a couple of points that i think Roddy could work on his shooting accuracy is abysmal and uh, i'd like to see him uh, be a little more responsible defensively, but mainly is he can't hit the broad side of a barn. I think it took him like he had close to seventy shots before he got a goal this season. It was just it was disgusting. Uh, Bilbo's uh, shooting percentage, I, I think, said uh, was it five or nine percent? What is that? Yep, five point three percent shot percentage. As a mm -hmm. D man, I can't bring it up any higher, but yeah. uh, it, it stings a little. <laughs> I'd, yeah, like, I'd like uh... it up a bit more. 
You've got your range capped out, I think. Cause, yeah, because cause D-men can have the longer range. I think forwards are capped at 12. Yeah. But uh, yeah. it keeps it interesting. Yeah, so we're, uh, we're, hitting the, we're hitting about the hour mark here. Do you want to talk a little about... I mean, no, I know we both want to talk about Vancouver here, so we might as well, we might as well jump into that. Might as well pop into it. And, uh, thank you for uh, shooting your questions out there, uh, folks. We uh, appreciate right. it. Appreciate it, as always. Yeah. Uh, yeah, let's just jump right into Vancouver. Uh, so Vancouver, 4-0, under new, I mean, new, own, new not new ownership, new head office, new uh, new coaching staff, 4-0-0 under Bruce Boudreaux. Bruce, um, there it is. Bruce, Bruce there, there it is. There it is. Uh, yeah, no, big sweeping changes. Jim Benning out after, uh, was it, it feels like it's eight, almost close to a years. decade, eh? Eight yep. years under, under Benning. Uh, a few years. years under green. Mm-hmm. Uh, and whole change of the guard. It's uh, it's yeah. exciting. I'm I was a fan of Travis Green. I was uh, basically up I was, until this I was going to bring that up as well. I like Travis Green as a coach. I think the style of game that he likes to play doesn't work with the Vancouver roster. And I think that was the main problem because you know it it, it became obvious. I think it has become obvious at this point that coaching was one of the problems. Not, I'm not going to say the problem. Coaching was one of the problems, and Travis Green was a good coach. He was well spoken. I think he could command the room. However, when you're trying to coach a team to play in a style that they're not suited for, you're going to get friction. You're going to get tension there, and the team's going to underperform. And we saw that. I think Travis Green coaches a style of hockey well suited to a team like Boston. You know, the dump and chase, the bump and grind, the battles in the corners. He plays a very physical style. And the Canucks, I mean, they're not the biggest team. They're a, they're a, I mean, they're certainly not the biggest team, but they're not a very physical team. They have guys that throw hits and finish checks, but they're not a big, you know, bump and grind slaughter forward team. And no. I think that's where the primary, the primary conflict came. As much as I love to and, and hate Toronto, uh, Toronto's very big skill-based team. They don't have tons of huge guys. Um, I argue that Toronto definitely has a lot more high-end skill than Vancouver has at the moment. That's for sure. That argument, yeah. But I think there's similarities to um, the type of play that the two of us should be playing. A lot of speed, a lot of skill, some creativity um, over this dump and chase that Travis Green was doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think maybe his biggest downfall uh, is just kind of stubborn. Didn't want to change it up to, to reflect on how to win games. And uh, you yeah. can kind of see with uh, the direction Bruce has taken it just within a, a, was it a couple of weeks now, not even. That, a, uh, one week, actually. Just one week. Just the one week. My God, I, I feel elated on Cloud9. I'm enjoying watching games again. Oh, I know. He, it's wild. It's, it's, he, just, it's... He, just, he lets them play. He wants them to shoot. He wants them to make chances, and then we'll figure out the rest from there. And mm. uh, I, I think we're responding to it. I, th- I think maybe the boys are just getting overcoached beforehand. You know, I think that may have been it. And uh, I think the, the two things that I want to focus on, if we're talking about Bruce Boudreaux's coaching here... Uh, the number one thing that I've noticed, I think everyone noticed, is the PK. Um, for whatever reason, you know, he has his he has his tactics, he has his strategies in mind. I'm not going to speak ill of Travis Green. I still think he's a good coach on a team that wasn't a fit for him. 
he likes to play a very passive, stiff PK, and he seemed committed to playing veteran guys and bottom six guys on the PK, which it wasn't working. And, I mean, well, obviously it wasn't working. The Canucks had, had I think, still have the worst penalty kill in the NHL. They might, they might have... They might have passed Winnipeg because Winnipeg also was having a, a bad, a bad uh, year on the PK for some reason. It, they might be ahead of Winnipeg now from last I checked, because which I was mm-hmm. surprised there was someone below us. <laughs> I was, yeah, it was, it was, it was very surprising to see. But Boudreaux made that means he's made a lot of changes. They are much more aggressive, pressuring on the puck. Uh, he's put well, he's put guys like Bo Horvat, Quinn Hughes, and Elias Pettersson on the penalty kill, and you've seen it. They generate. You know, they, they pressure the puck. Um, Elias Pettersson, you know, he gets, he gets, I mean, he, for all of his struggles and everything, he gets kind of put up as a, you know, uh, like a sniper, a one-trick pony thing. But when he, he's been finding his game now and he wins puck battles in corners, he's not the toughest guy in his skates, but he, he knows how to win puck battles in corners and having that on the PK is very important. And then, you know, when you do generate, those shorthanded chances, he's the guy you want to have out there on a breakaway, 100%. And uh, having Bo Horvat there, similar thing as well. Bo Horvat's, uh, I think someone, I think Sat Shaw was talking about this last night. Bo Horvat's playing one of the best seasons of his career right now. He's had his ups and downs, but under Bruce Boudreaux, he's been phenomenal. So the PK was the, the first thing that I think Boudreaux's improved upon a lot. The second thing, and this has been obvious to anyone who's watched the Canucks play for the last three seasons, is zone entries. Um, the dump and chase wasn't working. It just wasn't. No, and, zo- um, oh, so go ahead. Zone entry has been phenomenal. Four check's been great too. The we're we're, not letting, well, we're yeah. not letting them enter our zone as easy as it, they used to be anymore. Like that, that neutral zone's competitive now. Whereas before yeah, that's, it that's was not. Under green, they would really give up the neutral zone every time. And, uh, it's, 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 it, I love the pressure. I love the intensity. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think in the, oh, I think in every, what am I thinking of here? In, in, I know in the Carolina game last night, um, Miller and Besser on the four check. And, uh, that's what generated that Besser goal, um, getting in there, disrupting the breakout. Miller ran into the corner and fed Besser in the slot. And, uh, I mean, I mean, that's what happens when you, 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 you have players who can effectively pressure the puck and get in on the four check. Uh, and, and. I mean, to circle this around to where we knew it was always going, that's the play style that suits, I think, both of our, one of our personal favorite Canucks, I know we agree on this, Tyler Mott, getting in on the forecheck, having him on the penalty kill. He's just, he's an absolute warrior, and I think he has been thriving under Bruce Boudreaux. And, uh, he, uh, he had a couple of great chances last night against Carolina, that's for I sure. I watched the highlights this morning, and it's... Yeah, it's just, it's exciting to watch again. And I think Boudreaux has addressed some of the immediate concerns. And, uh, I mean, from what I've seen from uh, from the practices, he and uh, he and Scotty Walker and uh, Brad King or Brad Shaw? Uh, the, Shaw. Uh, the other assistant coaches. Shaw, yeah. They've been, uh, they've been a lot more animated, a lot more involved lately. And I think... I think this is going to be a, I mean, it, it's already been a great move for the Canucks and I think it's going to, it's going to continue to pay off. Yeah. Uh, one, one point to worry, uh, kind of, kind of seen brought up a few times here. 
is a lot, lot of teams respond well to a coaching change, but mm-hmm. if it's going to last over the long term, that's because yeah. uh, the novelty is new for everybody, both players and coaches. Everybody's motivated to do good, uh, mm-hmm. get ourselves out of the hole. We're responding well, which is a fantastic start. We just got to make sure we don't slip into bad habits. Um, mm-hmm. The end of the third last night against Carolina, uh, we, we we tied it down. We came ahead. We survived. But uh, scoring chances were basically non-existent in the last 10 minutes of the third period. And that very, always very true to Canuck makes, style. makes my heart race because I'm like, I don't know if we can ha- handle this again. It'd, it'd be nice if we were uh, putting a little more pressure at the other end of the ice because it's a good way to defend too. And, and that brings us to... Um something that I've, I've been talking a lot about lately and everyone in Vancouver has been talking about Thatcher Demko. And, and oh. I, I tweeted this the other day and I have to say, I love Patterson. I love Besser. I love Quinn Hughes. And uh, I've been absolutely head over heels with Connor Garland. Now Connor Garland is a Vancouver Canuck, but we are a hundred percent living in the Thatcher Demko era of the Vancouver Canucks franchise. This is Demko's time. He has been, an absolute star for this team through literally the worst the worst season opening that I think the teams ever had, or close to the worst season opening they've ever had. Demko has stood on his head night after night after night, and he's been able to pull out wins for the team when they had no rights winning. And even in defeat, he's had some phenomenal saves, some phenomenal games. It was getting to the point where, you know, you start to look at a team like, you know, you started to look at the team and you were thinking like, okay, this team does not deserve Thatcher Demko. And now, you know, they're starting to turn it around and Demko's just continued to play, you know, to to play absolutely lights out. And I honestly believe if the Vancouver Canucks make the playoffs somehow under Bruce Boudreau, the Thatcher Demko should be in the discussion for the Vezina. Don't, don't raise my heart hopes up there, Ben. (laughs) I mean, I'm not hopeful. I know, I understand. (laughs) But (laughs) no, he... But not, like we're we're basically all living in Thatcher Demko's simulation. He's he's just taking control of everything that's being put in front of him. Uh, he can't score on the other end of the ice, but he's he's locking it down behind uh, at times a shaky defense that the Canucks oh, have yeah. had. And they they took his assist away on uh, that goal from the last game because uh, he didn't actually he just made the save and then Hughes picked up the puck. Uh, so he, they didn't count it as him, his, him passing the puck. But uh, I mean, that would have been he got there would have been two assists for him this season, which I think would have put him <laughs> second overall in points for goalies. So you know, you say he can't score at the other end of the ice, but you know, give him a couple weeks, and he may just you know pull out the infinity gauntlet, give it the old fine, I'll do it myself. You you, you know, if uh, he's able to pro pull a Broder or uh, some of the other goalies that I don't recall Mike that have Smith. done it. I know Mike. I think Mike Smith's got a few empty netters in his time. Oh, uh, the great be, puck moving goalie. That'd be beautiful. Um, I'd lose my goddamn mind. It would be just a thing of absolute wonder. Oh yeah, but yeah, no, absolutely no. And I can I can fully get on board with him being team MVP should he continue oh, his performance here. Uh, but I Bo mean, Horvat been... for me would be a close number too because. He's he's responsible both ends of the ice, and he just put the whole team on his shoulders when they need to in a pinch. Just, yep. just play, it's, playing it's, out of his mind this season too. He's Captain Clutch. I mean, in the you've seen it. We've seen it in shootouts this season and last season, and in tough games. I mean, the team struggled, 
but in tough games, Bo Horvat scores a goal when they need one. And he's one of my favorite players. I think he's extremely underrated as a as a shutdown centerman and also as uh, an, uh, an offensive producer. And personally, I think if the Team Canada GMs, I mean, if the Olympic hockey still goes ahead, if the Team Canada GMs have any sense, it's going to come down to Bo Horvat and Ryan O'Reilly for that fourth-line center spot. And depending on injuries, they may both make it. But I think as far as uh, as far as playing shutdown hockey, um, Bo Horvat takes the edge over O'Reilly. O'Reilly, I think, is a bit of a better playmaker. He's a, he's a terrific hockey player. But um, if Team Canada needs that shutdown line, I think Bo Horvat's got to be your go-to You've got to be your go-to Canadian centerman to play shutdown hockey. His line with um, uh, with well with Dickinson and uh, and Garland um, against Carolina, and then the other night against uh, against uh, Boston, the Bergeron Marchand line, um, terrific defensively against you know some of the best players in the NHL. No, it's it's been phenomenal to watch, and honestly, I I was earlier in the season I was more on the fence between uh, Horvat and uh, O'Reilly there. For Team Canada, I'm I'm leaning harder into Horvat week after week, and I I think he th- just thrives under the pressure, and it'd be phenomenal to see him on the Team Canada team. Oh, he he deserves it. He's earned a spot on the roster, I think, and um, I just hope he keeps this season up. He's been uh, he's on pace to have, maybe not on the stats sheet, but uh, just a terrific terrific season. Um, could we talk about Jason Dickinson for a couple minutes? Yeah, no, for sure. So yeah, so he was brought in by Benning. Um, I stand by this was a good acquisition by Benning um, Dickinson for I think a third round pick to Dallas. Um, he came in. He was supposed to be that third line centerman to replace Brandon Sutter, um, who was still out with injury, and to uh, sort of shore up the penalty kill. And uh, Dickinson struggled a little bit to adjust to the team, but I mean the whole team was going through struggles, and uh, he had some good moments, but under Boudreaux. And uh, Boudreaux moving him to the wing, like I said, to join Bo on that shutdown line. Uh, he's been terrific. And I think his defensive game has really come through there. And, I mean, if that's a good... I mean, it seems to be a good fit for him. And, I mean, why not have him on the wing? Because uh, he seems to be really thriving there. His, uh, his defensive side has really, really come through. His play off the half wall, he can move and control the puck really well. And, uh, he's, I mean, he's been great on the penalty kill. The whole team's, I mean, the, the the Bruce boost, everyone's experiencing it. But I think Dickinson is really thriving under Boudreaux. I think he's, I think out of any single player I've seen, Dickinson has had the biggest transformation from Travis Green to Bruce Boudreaux's coaching style. No, it moving to the wing could could be absolute money for them. Uh, I, I think he's been a good centerman. I honestly thought he would be fantastic for that third line center shutdown role but it just it clearly just wasn't working under travis green there mm-hmm. um yeah no if he if he moves to the wing and this is working for him i think we're uh every everyone's happy we're all getting aces here um boudreaux likes to lean on his uh top end talent a little bit more so bo horvat taking even more defensive responsibility at the center there with dickinson on the wing um it's to be expected under boudreaux uh, everyone's always curious if we're going to be overplaying Bo Horvat by, uh, cause, cause you want him in the offensive zone too. Cause he's a force there, mm-hmm. but I, I haven't seen Bo Horvat get overplayed over any year 
And I feel like the same story comes up again and again. Be like, oh, well, how much could we actually lean on Bo Horvat? Uh, it's kind of come back into a Bo Horvat uh, showboating <laughs> chat, chat here. Hey, but, you know uh, we, lo- we love our captain. We, we love we, our captain. We, we sure do. But, like, I haven't seen him ever once get overplayed to the point or get overplayed in general. He just always steps up and makes everyone else around him better. He's, and if he's Dick... a workhorse. I think he's one of the best captains we've ever had. Like, he's not, I mean, he's, I mean, let's be honest here. He's no, he's no Pavel Bure. He's no Henrik Sedin. Like, he's not going to put up Hall of Fame level points. But as far as a on the ice, off the ice leader, he's one of the best captains we've ever had. No, absolutely. And his, uh, his two-way game compared to any other captain we've had, uh, Except maybe a Lindstrom there. Uh, mm. it's, it's been phenomenal. Just phenomenal. Oh, absolutely. Um, it was a lo- great, great to see Hoaglander have a breakout, get his uh, two-goal game the other night. Um, I was going for to that third, it. too. <laughs> Hoaglander, he came in. I cannot say enough good things about the Swedish Fire Hydrant. His rookie season that he was able to just come in. I mean, he did have a little bit of an advantage that he came in in mid-season form out of the SHL, but he was able to immediately, on a brand new team, he stepped into that second-line wing spot with Bo Horvat and Tanner Pearson, and that line, for all of um, his rookie season, that line was, was our consistently best line, and he had a terrific season. And it was just, he, he came in, out of no, really out of nowhere. I think he was a, he was forty fifth overall when he was drafted, uh, or something like that. And he, uh, he was able to step into that second line winger role and really play at an NHL caliber level. And it was it was it was amazing to watch. And I think he he struggled a little bit. The sophomore slump definitely hit him hard, but um, he's been uh, he's been one of our best forwards. No, that 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 sophomore slump could even have been just uh, everyone on the team were going going through a slump at the same time, so that makes it harder. Definitely. But he's yeah no night in night out he's he's been great. That two goal game was phenomenal. Uh, he fantastic second round pickup by the Canucks. Oh, um, absolutely. And and Jim Benning, he 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 was good at his drafts. Yeah, I mean uh, when he he I. Personally, think he probably should have stuck to his guns a little bit more, and actually, I mean, he's he he's good at drafting. He should have used more of those draft picks rather than trading them. But that, I mean, that's we can do a, a post Benning recap podcast. That could be an entire podcast. No, I'm uh, I'm kind of curious to uh, get a little more into it after a few more games here under the Canucks to see if they mm-hmm. make any player movement. Because uh, yes. I, I I kind of have a little theory. Though it needs a little bit more time to get explained. Um, I like mm-hmm. the, I like the Jim Rutherford signing. We can get right into that here if you'd like. Um, I actually but, do have to. Uh, I do have to get going here in a couple minutes. Oh, sounds good. But uh, I'll I'll just uh, kind of leave you on the thought here. If the uh, the Canucks keep doing well and keep performing fantastically, and they're not making many player changes, if any at all, mm-hmm. did Jim Benning really deserve to be fired? Because he's the one who did build this team. Maybe you know it was that's just a coaching change that just that needed to be interesting, done. That's an interesting perspective. That really is because, yeah, so far, I mean, Rutherford's fired a few people. Um, but even then, that may there's been talks that those firings were in the works before he was hired. So that may not even have been him. 
that may mm-hmm. have been ownership. But no, that's a, that's an interesting perspective because yeah, if no roster moves happen or no trades happen and the team continues to perform well under Boudreaux, then I mean, maybe it was just the, the you know the coaching issue. Yeah, I mean I, the the shakeup in general is going to have an an impact, but it'll be interesting to watch. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe we'll touch on it on our uh, next episode of the broadcast after we get a few more games under Boudreaux and see if there's any more changes for the Nuts here. I I'm certain we'll get into it. I uh, I'm excited and nervous. I know Rutherford has uh, a cup pedigree, but I also know that to turn this team into a playoff team or into a cup winning team, even. Um, that you know moves are going to have to be made, and I'm sure players and prospects that I like are going to go, and that makes me sad. But that's the nature of the beast, and I'm both nervous and excited. You know, we've needed change. I'll, I'll embrace whatever comes through. Uh, hopefully, oh, we definitely. don't do too much. But I'm just going to live in the moment, enjoy this uh, undefeated streak by Boost Boudreaux, mm-hmm. as as it stands right now. Just embrace the streak. All right, I got a skedaddle, but uh, thanks everyone for listening in your uh, hour and 20 broadcast. Um, stay tuned next week. We'll be talking more about the Canucks, and uh, I'm assuming by next week we'll probably be able to do some wrap-up on um, World Juniors and uh, the J playoffs. So looking forward to looking forward to all of this, really. Uh, stay at- tuned. We'll see you next time. Absolutely. Go uh, Team Japan and the World Juniors. british Isles, i'm not looking for your downfall at all not not the slightest Alrighty, i think uh i think we're all good here perfect all right yeah you have a good one